Good morning, Living Waters Church family. Good morning, friends. Good morning, guests here in the sanctuary, friends and uh, members and guests online. Uh, You might be uh, watching right now live or later this week. So the Lord bless you. We're together joining millions of believers around the world that set aside this weekend to remember uh, Christ's sacrifice and his resurrection. Wow, wasn't that great? God is not dead. And to encourage us to rise up through his resurrection power. Love these songs earlier today uh, from the children. And again, thank you so much, Susan Whitehead, uh, Michelle Terrell, and others, and all your work in investing and making that happen. So grateful for you. Well, the title of my message is, He is Risen. And I'm asking you to respond by, He is Risen Indeed. Let's do that again a little bit louder. You ready? He is risen. risen And that is an ancient response that has been going on for centuries among believers. And I'm going to spring this on you every now and then, okay? And I want you uh, to respond with enthusiasm because it's definitely good news. You know, that's why I think that's the definition of what the gospel is. What's the gospel? The gospel is good news because we have... Uh, a, a Lord, a God, who actually did raise from the dead. See, back in Passion Week, that's the term used for that week of the last week of Jesus on planet Earth as a man, his 33 years and his three years of ministry, and this is his last time in Jerusalem. He comes in on a donkey on Sunday, and they were hailing him and honoring him with Hosanna uh, to the king, and they were praising him. Well, by Friday, the crowd had switched so much. It looks like, how did the enemy, the Roman soldiers, or really those religious leaders and the Roman soldiers, and then the darkness of, of evil and, and demons, how did they turn things so quickly that by Friday, they're yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And sure enough, all the dreams of his followers were crushed. They, they were in shock. They, they saw miracles happening around him. He even raised the dead and, and, uh, and of Lazarus and others. And, you know, what in the world happened? He was going to be our leader, you know, just building a greater following every year. Perhaps he'll be a, a um, governmental military leader and, and get this oppression off of us from the Romans or just be a spiritual leader, a great rabbi. So what in the world happened? What happened there in his, their dreams were crushed. They were done with and it was over. Uh, <clears throat> we want to turn to Matthew 28 because there is a twist in the story. There is a turn in this emotional shock, this, this depression, discouragement that they found, find themselves in, this hopelessness. And it's in Matthew 28. And I'm going to start reading in verse 1. But what's just happened before this verse is that Jesus does literally die on the cross where he has said with his last breath, it is finished. And with blood dripping all over his body, he finished the work the Father gave him on the earth as a man. 
in that earthly body that, that grew up from a little baby and then into an elementary school age kid and a junior higher, senior higher, a young man and into, he, he was a strong man as a carpenter and into his early 30s. Well, that earthly body died and he took on the sin of the world. And it, it, they saw it. There's no more breath in him. His body's limp. And Joseph was his wealthy man. And he had a garden tomb nearby. And he said, can I take this body and place it in the tomb? And they gave him permission. And, and the disciples watched, you know, and, and, the, and they, the women particularly watched where they went. And then the chief priests, they, they were like, listen, these followers, they're going to come up with some scheme. Uh, they're, they're just deceivers. They're going to come up with some lie and, and steal the body. And so Pilate, the, the, the Roman uh, governor, said, well, listen, you can have a guard. And there's a little uh, debate on what is a guard is. It could be up to 100 soldiers or it could be just the 16 soldiers who were trained to be guards. And they would have like a six-foot radius uh, where they were uh, responsible to protect and to guard. And they, if they fell asleep while on guard, they would be killed. That's how serious they took their job, their responsibility. And um, so whether it was 16 or 100, it was the professional Roman guard who knew exactly what they were doing. They were well equipped. They sealed the tomb with the Roman seal. And so no one or no, a group of anyone is going to get through. And it says in Matthew chapter 8, starting at verse 1, <clears throat> Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the, of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Woohoo! Now, this is just, a, this is one of the many uh, thousands of angels uh, that's showing his power and glory. He broke open the stone to open the door to the tomb. People could look in. I believe Jesus was already gone. I mean, he, he's the one that rose from the dead. An angel didn't rise him from the dead. He rose from the dead. He, he conquered death. And I believe his body would already left. But you need to see inside, right, to see what's in there. So the angel breaks open the door, the roll, and the, and the stone rolls away. And this power of God is so mighty, so strong, so dense, that these soldiers, 1,600 of them, however many, these strong soldiers who are trained uh, uh, to, to keep watch, they become like dead men. They, they fall to the ground. Their bodies are lifeless. And, and I don't know if you've felt this before, but the power of God can affect your body. It, it, you can feel things from the Spirit of God. It can even make somebody's body just get so peaceful. It just goes limp and you just go crumble to the ground and just lay there for a while while the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit does a work on your spirit, soul, and body. And so God didn't kill them through the angel. He just had them powerless with all these weapons they had with them to protect uh, any intruders. And, and they just fall to the ground. And now these two ladies, they, you know, they're not going to get arrested or anything. They can just kind of walk right over to the tomb and see what's going on. And let's see what the angel says in verse 5. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. For he is not here... For he is risen. 
Woohoo! He is risen indeed. That's right. And this angel said, come see the place where the Lord lay. And so he says, listen, I know I'm pretty impressive, angel. I've got this glowing lightning coming out of my face. I've got this, this white robe uh, of light coming off of me. But don't take my word for it. We want you to see for yourself. We'll get some eyewitnesses in here and take a look. Come and see. His body is not there. Oh, yes, I love it. Let's keep looking on here in verse 7. And he says, and he keeps talking, this angel, he said, And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And so he's already making plans. God is making plans. When they're going to see Jesus, this glorified body, where they can see the holes, but the holes aren't hurting his body. He can still eat, but he can walk through walls and, he, uh, and, and, and through buildings. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, the whole chapter is about the resurrection. It's a great, it's a long chapter, it's a great chapter to study, to read it carefully. And, and, and Paul says they have document, documentation of wh- who Jesus appeared to after the resurrection. And he gives this list. He appeared to Peter. He appeared to the 12. And then a whole group of 500 once. And then to James and the apostles. And then lastly to me. And so there was at least six sightings of Jesus. That's over 500 and perhaps 30 people. Perhaps more that he appeared to. And these people were eyewitnesses that they kept track of. Wouldn't that have been cool to have been an eyewitness? I was an eyewitness. That'd be cool. Well, listen. By faith, you can believe just the same. And be convinced by the Spirit of God enabling you to believe that he is still alive. Let's keep reading. Uh, So what happens here in verse 8 of Matthew 28. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And ran to bring his disciples word. Sure, there was fear there. They've just talked to an angel they had a conversation with an angel they just seen guards just fall down powerless under the power of god yes they've seen a lightning bolt hit this this stone and roll away yes these are fearful moments and there's feel but there's great joy there's great joy omg he's alive oh my gosh he's alive this this is blowing my mind this is real he is who he said he is. He does what he said he was going to do. This is amazing. This changes everything. They were great joy. They hadn't felt joy like this before. This shock of joy just going through their emotions. He is alive. Oh, yes. We can trust him. Our dreams are not shattered. We do have to tell, every, tell everyone because now... He's proven that he is ruler of all things, of all darkness, all devils, all, 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 uh, all death, all sin. Thank you, Lord. Woo, let's do it again. He is risen. What joy, folks. What inexpressible joy of the good news of the resurrection for you and me. Let's go to verse 9 of Matthew 28 here, just following the story. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to him, 
do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So now they're getting to see Jesus in this glorified body. And look what he says. He says the same thing that he, they just heard from the angel. He's saying to them in there, his greeting is a happy greeting. And he says, rejoice. And then he says, do not be afraid. This is something that we want to receive this instruction ourselves. We want to say, yes, Jesus, I, I hear what you're saying. Rejoice and do not be afraid. This is an instruction he's given to him. He said, listen, I am the resurrected one. So rejoice and do not be afraid. Don't you want that in your life right now? Don't you want you to live by that right now? It's good for you today. It's not just for those two ladies on that morning. It's true for you and I today. I want to spend some time in John chapter 16 uh, this morning. Uh, first, we'll look at verse 32 and 33. And there's several chapters that if you have a red letter Bible edition, that means that the red letters are the actual words of Jesus and black letters are just words of everybody else. And you'll notice that in John chapter uh, 14, 15, 16, 17, they're all red. And Jesus is with his 11 disciples because Judas has already left at the, at the Last Supper to go betray him. And he is preparing them for this great sorrow that they're going to have. He's preparing them for they're going to see him uh, be betrayed and, and then suffer and, and, and suffer greatly and die on the cross and, and have these dreams crushed. And so he's saying things to prepare them for this. And here it is. Let's read verse 32 and 33 to see what he says. He said, Indeed, the hour is coming, and yes, has now come, that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. See, they've been with each other three years. They've been a travel, traveling buddy group, and they have ministered together. And he said, No, you, you're going to leave me alone. You're going to leave me. You're going to be scattered. And that's exactly what is hap has happened uh, in, in there uh, just later on that night and into the next couple of days. And verse 33 says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. See, in this world, there just is trials and tribulations. In this world, it's a fallen world, meaning that man has sinned, and, and so we all have been uh, born into sin. And so even if you're really living for God and doing great and getting more pure every day, this is great. There's still sin happening all around you, and the consequences of those sins are just creeping in all around. And so there is this fallen world. Demons of darkness, they rule the heavenlies and, uh, of this, of the, of, and tempt people uh, on the earth. And so he says, but take heart because I've had a greater victory than just the circumstance you're going through. He says, take heart, be of good cheer. Listen, don't get down in the dumps. Don't get discouraged and depressed. Take heart, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. See, my victory, my resurrection is bigger than your situation. It's bigger than that. You can trust me with that. And so we get another instruction for out of the mouth of Jesus. First, rejoice, do not be afraid. But the second one is, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 
Lord, I want that instruction. I want to say yes to that. That no matter what's happening around me, Lord, there's this grace, there's this resurrection power that I can say, yes, I can take heart, I can be of good cheer. In Romans chapter 14, we're just going to look at one verse there. It's verse 17. But in this chapter, Paul is, is kind of dealing with a debate that's going on uh, there in the, in the city of Rome among the believers about, uh, you know, what, what should you eat? What should you not? Who's more spiritual? This person says, hey, if you, if you really love God, you'd eat this and not eat that. And, and this kind of thing. And there was this debate going on. And, and, um, and so he's addressing that. In verse 17, he gives a summary statement, short, of what really matters. And about what is the kingdom of God. It's verse 17. It says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He just makes it simple. He breaks it down to three things. You know, when I think about the kingdom of God and I think of, well, we want to worship the king. So worship is, is so important, and it is. And, but, and we want to spread God's kingdom, and we want to be out there witnessing and outreach and evangelism. And that must be the heart of the kingdom. We're serving the king and doing things for him. And the spiritual warfare of coming against the darkness and the enemy of the kingdom. And I had all these doing things in my mind. But the heart of the kingdom is three things. And it's things from the inside that come from the work of Christ inside. Something you can't do without the grace of God, without you believing and having faith. And that's this, that the kingdom of God is righteousness. And that's his righteousness. And it's peace. It's the peace, the prince of peace. And it's the joy of the Lord. And in that cool joy is listed in the top three. You know, would you have done that if you said the top three things in the kingdom? Would you put joy in the top three? Well, in his word, God does that to help remind us, this is important to me. This is part of what I give to you. Um, my son, uh, Paul, he's 26. And um, our, our, our sons, when they were young, really young, maybe five or six, they said a prayer of salvation and so forth. But as they got older, and particularly I remember this situation with Paul, um, that when he was around 10... He was asking Delisa some questions about salvation, and so we kind of knew God was at work and doing something deeper. And, um, and so, uh, and, and I had to, you know, contact him to remind me kind of how these details played out uh, because I was a little vague in the details, and he texted me back and, and, and reminded me. But um, so what happened was at bedtime, Delisa's put in the bed. I'm also in the bedroom. The, the, the boys, uh, the three boys shared a room, bunk beds, and another bed. And, and this, these questions and statements from Paul were coming again. And so Delisa said, well, listen, you know, we can pray right now uh, for you, uh, you know, to be a child of God, to be saved, and, uh, and to ask forgiveness for your sins. And so she gave him some guidance. He said a guidance, and he said this prayer. And, and then Delisa um, uh, prayed a prayer for him. And then his mouth started tightening up, and, and, and he was... <laughs> And he started laughing. And uh, Delisa, uh, you know, had thought that with his mouth trying to hold something back, you know, what's going on? Maybe he's going to tear up. And, 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 and Paul said, she said, listen, just let it out. It's okay. <laughs> but it wasn't tears he was holding in. It was laughter. He didn't know, you know, 
is this okay for me to laugh at this moment? I just asked forgiveness for my sins. Just, you know, shouldn't it be a little... But he, and, and so we talked to him about it. Yes, it's very appropriate. That's the joy of the Lord. That's, that means the kingdom of God, he gives you righteousness. He gives you his peace and he gives you his joy and it burst out of him. And so I, I say that to uh, that story to remind us that joy comes with your salvation. Isn't that great? It's, it's part of the package. It doesn't have to just be on good days, you know. Um, how's work today? No, it's every day, whether it's a good day in your circumstance or not, there is joy available to us. Well, how about it? He is risen. Come on, yes, and there's great joy with it. There's great joy, inexpressible joy. This is something God wants us to have. Romans 10, 9 and 10 is, is a, uh, just a simple verse. There's a couple verses there in Romans 10 that just describes you know, how to be saved. What, what, what do you do and what do you pray? It's really straight and simple. And it says this in verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth... Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Wow, you know, it's, it's not a lot there. It's not a long list of things, right? It's just really, it's just the release of faith, and this is how you do it. You confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and then believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That our heart believes that, that he really did do this supernatural, this mind-blowing, this, this thing that can't be explained by uh, scientific laws. It's a miracle. Yeah, yeah, I believe that from my heart. So, well, that's easy to be saved. There's not much to it, you know. Well, let me give you a little context. Just remember, it is simple, and life can get so complex. But in the city of Rome, the Christians there were expecting by the emperor, the Roman emperor, the Caesar, to call him Lord, that he said, I'm, I'm God. Of, I'm God. And so in the greetings, they would walk down the street, and if they're greeting somebody, you're supposed to say, Caesar is Lord. How's it going? What you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And so there you got it. They're challenged. What do we do about this, Paul? Because we're expected to call Caesar Lord and, and of all. But no, we don't believe that. And he said, well, your salvation is dependent on you confessing not someone else's God, but you're recognizing that Jesus is God. So confess him as Lord could mean that they could be taken to the Colosseum and eaten up by the animals for sport. So this salvation, it's simple, but just as Jesus died for us, paid it all, he's saying, yes, are you willing to give me your whole heart? Because I paid the price for it. My shed blood is for you, so don't give me 50%. Don't give me 70 That's not what it is. It's 100% of you I've paid for. And that's where salvation lies, and believe in your heart that, that God raised from the dead. See, there were a lot of people being crucified in those days. That was just a Roman, uh, the worst Roman torture tactic of the day. It was, it was just part of their culture. They knew people who had been either caught 
as criminals or just had been rebellious to the emperor and, or, or, you know, could have been hung for who knows what reason. And they knew people who went through that torture. So it's not just believe that Jesus died on the cross. Yes, he did that, and that's true. But it's believed that this miracle of resurrection happened. And in that he showed, I am, I've overcome death. I've victorious. Woo, let's do it again. He is risen. All right, come on now. This is, this is the day of celebration. Be strong with me. What joy, what amazing joy. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3. A place where Paul talks about the resurrection power. And, and in this, this chapter is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. It's one that I've, I've read countless times. And he goes to, and you know, as a, a Jewish religious leader, I did everything the best I could. I did it almost, I mean, I did it like perfectly. I was, I was way above anybody else and doing all the laws right and, and, and being careful to observe everything. I mean, I was a Jew among Jews. I was top dog as far as doing the religious things right. But he said, all of that is just, it's just rubbish. It's just garbage compared to just, just knowing Jesus Christ, just having a relationship with him by faith not by works, not by something I can earn, but just trusting in him. And so he goes on to, uh, to explain this close relationship with Christ. In verse 10, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, oh goody, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Whoa. Why is in that? Shouldn't that be in some other chapter somewhere? We're talking about relationship with Jesus. We're talking about, and now the resurrection power. And then he says, on t- with that, and the fellowship of his surf- sufferings being conformed to his death, verse 10, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Oh man, I so wish we could just tell somebody, hey, give your life to Christ and all the suffering in your life will go away and you'll never have any more pain and sorrow. Wouldn't that be great? But resurrection power is, has a connection to suffering. And we want it that way. Because we need resurrection power when we're suffering. See, sometimes it's kind of like this. Sometimes it's God doesn't deliver us from the suffering, but we need to get through it. And it's his resurrection power, his abundant grace that gets us through it. It might be because of the suffering that we've dropped to our knees. We humble ourselves in a new way. And God's spirit as we seek him fills us afresh. And that resurrection power, it, it, it's because of that suffering that we experienced his power. It could be that he delivers us uh, with resurrection power out of the suffering. But resurrection power is not devoid of suffering. Jesus taught that, said, in order to be my disciple... You've got to be willing to take up your cross and follow me. And, and you know, take up your cross. You mean like buy a necklace and wear a necklace? Listen, back in the day, they didn't have uh, uh, crosses, weren't necklaces. It was like a, an electric chamber, uh, electric chair kind of thing. That wasn't very pretty to wear back in, in the early church. The cross meant suffering. And he said, if you're going to be my disciple, uh, take up your cross and follow me. But guess what? I resurrected. <laughs> I resurrected. 
I defeated that death. I defeated that depression. I defeated that darkness. And so listen, you stay faithful to me. You, you don't walk away from me during the hard times. Carry your cross and follow me. And you will experience resurrection power. You will experience joy. So let's go back to John 16 again. And there's another place in this chapter. I'm going to start looking at verse 20. Where he's again preparing them for this, this shock and awe of him just being crucified and the horrible torture he went through. And that everything that they had hoped for was cr- just crushed. And he's preparing them for this. And he's um, uh, speaking to them now in John 16 verse 20. It says this, truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and you will lament, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned into joy. That's so good. So aren't you glad he put it there? That in this world, they will be rejoicing for your suffering. They'll be rejoicing when, when there's a tax on Christianity and on the church and on, on godly biblical values like it's happening in our culture right now we're seeing an attack on just uh biblical values that god is the creator and he created us in his image and he created us beautifully and wonderfully and yet in our culture uh there's this momentum and this this wave to say uh you really don't know what your gender is when you're born it just kind of it's going to be held up in the air and and the child can decide later in life perhaps when all through, uh, since there was a human being, ever since there was a, a farm animal, animal, ever since there was a deer that they hunted and, and killed with their bow, they, everybody always knew it's just common sense. If it's a male or female, this is not hard. It's just common sense. The, the, the culture is losing common sense. And it's assault on the beauty of God creating us in his image. And specifically, he said, I, I created them. He says, we created them. Male and female, we created them. We, being the Trinity, created humans, male and female. It's Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Just read it. It's right there. I mean, this is God's design. And to date, it's just, so hey, man, it, we, can, we can grieve. This thing is, this stuff is discouraging what's happening right now. But God says he will turn our grief and turn it into joy. And, and we need that more than ever. We need to be a people of joy more than ever. So resurrection power, uh, though it's, it's, it's not devoid of suffering, but resurrection power releases joy. And those of you that are, are dealing with just sorrow, just discouragement of what's been happening either in our country or just you personally, I want to encourage you, trust God that there's a turning point. His resurrection power is a turning point to give you joy, to turn it to joy. Let's go to the next verse, John 16, 21. He describes this turning to joy, and he describes it like this in uh, verse 21. Whenever a woman is in labor, in, in labor and she has pain because her hour has come, but when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. 
He's saying, my joy is going to be so refreshing, so full to you. It's going to remove the, the heaviness and the weight to drag you down again in the, those labor pains, those, those struggles that you're in that brought such an emotional wave. God's joy is going to be so great and so full. He's going to wash that. It's going to be so much smaller over time. Verse 22. Therefore you too have grief now, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. You need, you need to have an attitude, and you need to say that. You're not going to take the joy away from me. When I'm watching the news, it's not going to take the joy away from me. When this, this struggle I'm going through, it's just been dragged, it's not going to take the joy away from me. That is a, a, a statement of faith and standing with God's plan for you that you're not going to be drugged down by the, all these circumstances going around. Instead, God in his, it's, and what's, you know, how does resurrection power do that? Resurrection power will not only release joy, but it will keep your joy. That's right. Resurrection power will keep your joy. We need that. Because it's not easy, it is hard, it is challenging. Well, what is resurrection power? Well, the same spirit, the scripture says, that raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you and quickens your mortal body. The Holy Spirit is resurrection power. The same Holy Spirit that was there in that grave where... Uh, that, that empowered Jesus, the Trinity, to, for him to walk out of that tomb alive is in you by the Spirit. If you're a child of God, if you, and you live and love and serve him, this Holy Spirit is in you. It's not something you earn. It's a gift from God. And so we have quick access to it. It's not far away. This resurrection power is abundant grace. That even in the midst of weaknesses or midst of trial, there's abundant grace. There's increasing grace. God's grace is sufficient for you and me. That's resurrection power. You may have been here a couple of Sundays ago. Jennifer Shepard shared, felt from her heart she needed to share part of her testimony. It's a very amazing testimony. I want to get it uh, documented on video here this spring. But... And she said, I, I believe I need to tell people about laughter. Because there's a Proverbs, Proverbs 7.22, that says that laughter is good like a medicine. And then she described and what happened to her just in general. She had a, 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 a dangerous blame breed that just almost took her life away. And there was an emergency surgery in the middle of the night that saved her. But she was, had so much damage that it was like starting from scratch in rehab. She couldn't say anything. She couldn't do anything with her body. And she was just there in bed. And as soon as... And, and she didn't really say when it happened. It would be part of interesting to ask. But as soon as she could, she started laughing a lot. And her husband would come would say something kind of funny. And she'd start laughing a lot. And, and then the nurses would be in there. And, they, and, it little, and she would laugh a lot. And it was good like a medicine to her. It was good for her mind, body, and spirit. It was part of her healing. Laughter heals us on the inside and for her physically. 
And, and, and he, it became such a deal in the rehab hall floor that nurses would take breaks and go into a room just to be with Jennifer so they could laugh and for themselves be refreshed. <laughs> so that principle is true that laughter is good like a medicine. It was part of her healing. You know, children, they laugh a lot, don't they? You know, why do they laugh so much? Because they, they don't worry so much. They don't have responsibilities yet. They know that mom and dad's going to take care of them. They know that the teachers at school and everything's going to, they're going to take care of them. So they don't carry a load of responsibility and tasks. And so, and, and Jesus said, hey, you need to have faith uh, like a child. You have faith like a child. You need to, to be in the kingdom of God. You just got to simply trust me. And then be at peace, laugh a lot, play a lot. Just enjoy life because I'm your father. I'm taking care of you. So, Lord, help us. We want that restored in us. We want that childlike faith. We want to be able to laugh a lot. We want joy again. He is risen. Yes, what joy, great joy, fullness of joy, Lord God. Let us be like a child again. Jesus had a secret, and there's a phrase in the book of Hebrews I want you to ponder here and see how God might apply this in your life. Verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 12. It says this, And fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, he himself knew how to apply this promise of joy. And though he was going under great suffering and pain and persecution and endurance, carrying the cross and dying on the cross, he despised the shame. He said, this will end. This is not permanent. And he said, and he set himself on joy. The reward of joy. And there's a scripture that describes what this is. And I'm going to go to First Peter chapter 1. So, um, first of all, set joy before you. Ask God, what could that mean? How can I do that? Set joy before me. And I'm going to skip down in, in a couple verses here. Uh, look at verse 4 of 1 Peter 1, verse, verse 4. It says, To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. He's saying, yes, there's various trials. But set the joy before you, and that's verse 4, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, it's eternal, and it's undeviled, it's, it's, it's pure, and will not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. Do you think about heaven very much? Do you realize that your obedience to the end through perseverance will give you a reward in heaven? And that God has said, hey, I want in earth that, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is reward for you. So yes, take up your cross and follow Christ. Stay faithful to that and set joy before you. There's reward for you. There's reward in heaven and there's reward on earth. Let that reward bring you joy. 
So joy is set before you. And the, and the joy, there's a joy of your inheritance. As I get ready to close here, I, I want to say that, that, you know, my story is, is that I, um, you know, as a kid was a smiley kid. And even as a teenager, uh, one of my main, main nicknames was Smiley Riley. And, we, and it came from uh, three wrestlers. We were, uh, I was skinny little nothing at 112 pounds. And my friend was at 119 pound weight class. And then the 126 pound weight class. And so I was one, 112 and, and, uh, and they called me Smiley Riley. Then the next guy up, his name was Destroyer Warrior. That's a great wrestling name. Why couldn't I have that one, you know? And then my uh, next friend at, at, at up, uh, he was a jokester, and so we called him Embarrassing Harrison. And, and I, I smiled a lot, I laughed a lot. But you know what? As I got older, I don't. And I don't like that. My mom, uh, you know, she's a prayer warrior. She's an intercessor. And she's, uh, she has this practice, has had it every year, for all of us growing up, and now the grandkids, that on Christmas gifts, birthday gifts, you know, it's just a little, little note. You say to, you know, your son or to, from, grand or whatever. And she squeezes on there a little verse. And, you know, if she's really into it, she actually writes the verse somehow. But usually it's just a scripture verse. And she would give the scripture verse that refers to... Uh, that the joy of the Lord is your strength, Stephen. So I uh, countless years at birthday and Christmas, I'd get this from my the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we need to remind ourselves, don't we? Even though, hey, in my personality, that was kind of my God-given personality, I want God's given personality to, to stay true, right? But more than that, I want the joy of the Lord. And it's a strength to you. It's a strength to me. And so I want to, as we close here in a little bit, and, and, and I'm going to go ahead and ask the altar ministry team just to be here during the closing worship song and to stay here for a while. They'll pray for you about anything. <coughs> Excuse me. But I'm just, in, in this closing, I'm going to ask for the Lord to work in you about restoring your joy, about you releasing joy. This is the promise, one of the promises of the resurrection. So if the altar ministry teams go ahead and come down here. Uh, another thing I want to do in closing is, is I want to pray a prayer for those who are watching online, those who are here or later in the week, a salvation prayer. That if you're saying, hey, you know, I want that joy you're talking about. I haven't had that. I don't know what it is. I haven't, you know, I, I might even laugh a lot, you know, but I know there's, it's not necessarily joy from the Lord. And I want that then maybe it's salvation that you don't have yet. Or maybe, maybe you've drifted away from God and that was something years ago and, and it's not something in your life today because you've had other lords of your life, other things that you've become committed to or the, just the pressures of life and it's distracted you. So this is a prayer. This is your time to come back to the Lord and to confess Him as Lord. Let's pray this prayer in your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, I need the forgiveness of all my sins and I ask you to forgive me. I want to confess and make you Lord of my life, not something else, someone else, or even myself. 
I believe that you did die on the cross from our sins and you did and I believe you raised from the dead as conqueror over death conqueror over judgment and so I want to be your child if you prayed that prayer to either come back to the Lord or to to ask him in your heart for the first time you have an open door to joy now he's going to restore your joy he's going to give you joy like and peace and it's his righteousness not yours let's go back into worship let's get our eyes back on this majestic lord this king of kings this one we adore that has paid it all and he's done it all he is who he said he he is and he does what he said he's going to do and so let's honor him and worship him again and in this praise may he release joy in your life in this trial, Lord God, the overflow of your Holy Spirit in this 
situation, oh God. Oh, Father, we trust in you. Lord, supernaturally restore our joy this morning. Lord, we receive it. It's, it's part of the promises. It's part of the package of salvation and resurrection. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we're not going to let anybody just take our joy or circumstances just take our joy. Thank you, Lord. You give us more than enough, Lord God, to, be, to have laughter again and let it do good like a medicine to us. Hallelujah. Father, we pray that for our gatherings today, that they'll be filled with joy and laughter with our friends and family members, Lord. The Lord will look at the spring flowers and, and just laugh at their beauty and be so full of gratefulness, Lord God, in these spring days and these warm sun, Lord God. Father, it's despite what's going on around us, Lord God, turn our grief to joy, Lord God. Heal our hearts, those that are wounded, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray blessings on our times, this our gatherings today, into this week. Our blessings on your week at work, Lord God. There will be joy in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, and among our friendships at school, Lord God. Lord, we just we just trust you, your release of grace to and of resurrection power to have joy in every setting this week. May we walk in it and learn and grow in it. Amen and amen. It's great to have been together with you and online. Have a blessed day. Have a great day. Feel free to stay and worship some more. Worship brings joy. Praise brings joy. If we need to go, we can fellowship in the gathering place or we need to go. Just have a great day with great joy. Love you guys.